Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Jocelyn. How's it going? It's going pretty okay. <laughs> good. Okay. That's good. No, I mean, yeah. like, uh, we got, got some fun stuff to talk about tonight. Um, uh, rats, uh, Henry yes. Cavill. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> extra life am i helping at all am i helping uh what else we got here let me sorry let me try to salvage this uh oh um how about um a playstation vr2 how does that sound to you does it oh no, no. expensive yeah expensive <laughs> nauseating a little bit to be honest yeah that's the other thing like <laughs> um and uh yeah that's about it i don't have any other things to mention at the top of the show uh you know oh, don't do it ryan don't i don't do it. I, i'm being on i'm warning you ahead of time i have nothing nothing the discord kept kept this this intro bit totally clean of of any sort of um uh blue mascot so we're we're good we're good all right then well then why don't we talk about what we've been playing because uh I am curious as to how this is going. I do. I do actually want to talk about rats. <laughs> OK, perfect. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk about a Plague Tale Requiem, which is uh, available on. Say it with me, everyone. Xbox Game Pass. So uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> do not buy this on Steam uh, unless you want to. That's totally fine. But it is on Xbox Game Pass. And that's where I played it. And I so we talked about the first one. When it came out, and I can't remember when it came out, but it feels like it was only three or four years ago. Um, and I know I could have Googled this, you know, before we talked to, to discuss like when it <laughs> came out. That's madness. That's yeah. not how we podcast. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, you know, the first one did come out in May 2019. So, you know, I was right three years ago. And uh, we talked about that one. And I, for some reason, and maybe that's just my brain, but I thought we both really enjoyed it. But you were saying that you, you did not enjoy it. No, I mean, like, I think the uh, the child actors were pretty good because okay. that can very quickly, you know, become annoying if you get bad child actors um, or bad scripts for children is also a problem because you have adults trying to write for children. And for some reason, they forget that they ever were children and they don't know how children act and talk. So uh, it's, it's very easy to have bad characters of a certain age group in either tv movies or video games but um yeah i i thought that they did a fairly decent job with the characters at least but um there were a couple of points just like mechanically that i got really frustrated with and like the story was okay but like i wasn't really like worried about a sequel <laughs> like I could have been fine to just like leave it where it was like I don't I basically don't really remember much about it other than a couple of like I can very vividly remember a couple of scenes that were mechanically really frustrating and difficult because like the controls just weren't great um but other than that like I couldn't tell you the main characters names I couldn't tell you like the the overall arc of the story like I'm pretty sure someone had magical powers or something yeah <laughs> like i yeah like i i think that like the little brother was the important one or something i don't like it did not leave an impression <laughs> yeah um so here's the so the characters names and i and i've been playing the the sequel of course we're going to talk about uh, requiem uh, so you have amicia who is the character you play 
uh, right. the older sister of Hugo, which is the little boy who uh, is infected in in some way. And in the first game, essentially how it works is there's uh, it's it's kind of set during the I think the Hundred Years War. Um, the plague is at its height, and but in this game, the plague is uh, uh, it's you know it comes down to these rats that are infected with this. I don't know what they call it. They have a they have a name for it, but it's um the rats are really bad and they if they they bite you they're going to basically eat you alive. Like that's the whole you know thing about this game is like you so the mechanics are like it's very much a stealth game, but there are also these like puzzles where you have to use fire and light to sort of yeah, guide your way. Yeah, to scare the yeah, to scare the rats away. Yeah. Yeah, and that was sort of, you know, the the dual parts to the game where uh, in the first one, it was like stealth. So you're running around in the tall grass and trying to work your way around the environment, distracting guards, and very rarely uh, taking them out. Um, you actually, I think there was more stealth in the, in the first one. Uh, there were some moments, I think, you had like a sling, but you were using that sling more for distraction. I think there were a couple moments where you could use it to sort of deal with your enemies in the first one. But for some reason, I'm thinking it was more stealth based, which did make it more frustrating because you had less options when you got caught. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you got caught, that was like reset. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, and then, you know, as the first one continued, you you did have Hugo get rat powers and he could control the rats and and you could make the rats uh, do your bidding. So and take out enemies. Uh, but yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm slowly remembering this now. Yeah. So, you know, that game ends with an entire city being devastated by these rats. The entire city is basically like it is burned and, and it's gone. And I think you you leave on a boat and that's how it ends. There's like a tease of like, oh, where are we going next? And of course, they announced the sequel like that week that the game came out. And, and we now have the sequel, which is a Plague Tale Requiem, which picks up right Basically, right after that first game, you've arrived uh, at this new location. Um, you're trying to find a cure for your little brother, Hugo. Uh, oh, that was the other thing. There's a lot of alchemy as well. So, like, not only are you just throwing rocks to distract guards, you have, like, some special um, combinations of of items to make uh, fire. And, um, I mean, my my mind is probably clouded by the sequel, but I do remember you could throw things to, like, light torches and uh and stacks of hay to give you time to move through uh the rats um so in the second game you you pick back up you're controlling amicia you have hugo uh but there are some other characters your mother's there and there's this other character i think his name is like lucas or something um and he's a he's he's older than hugo he's he's a little more he's i think he's an alchemist he's he's also trained to be an alchemist so he like he knows about the combination of items to give you more options throughout this game. And I think that's what I really okay. noticed about the sequel is that they give you more tools to deal with the encounters that you're given. And it does have the same encounter setups as the first game where it's very stealth based. You're trying to work your way through an area to progress. And there are guards that have armor and torches so you have to deal with them differently depending on how you're moving through the the area um if you try to take them head on and just try to attack them that's not going to work because they they have swords and axes and stuff and they'll overpower you um in this game though they do give you the ability to kind of take one 
you can take one hit and essentially try to run away and and get back into stealth and reset the encounter to a certain degree. So again, there's more flexibility here so that if you do mess up in most instances, you're able to kind of like run away and even complete the area. Um, there's, I can't, cannot tell you how many times I'd screw up near the end of an, an area and I just had to like run to the end and go through the door. And it made sense because like there's a lot of doors. There's a lot of doors you go through that have like uh, the bolts on the other side. And yeah. uh, from a gameplay perspective, it's awesome because you can just run through and, and complete the area and, and whatnot. But from a story perspective, it's like, man, there's a lot of doors that lock from the other side of where we're going. Super handy for what we're trying to do here. But uh, <laughs> it's a little suspect. It's like Gears of War when you enter an area and there's a bunch of like cover and it's like, oh, I wonder if we're going to be fighting enemies yeah. here, <laughs> you know? Um, but again, like it, the stealth stuff, stealth is only fun when you're succeeding. And if you're bad at it, it, it can, it's not fun. It's super punishing. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it really reminds me of the progression we saw with the last of us to the last of us part two, where again, the stealth was still there, but they gave you more tools to, you know, deal with the scenarios that you were presented and and also just allow you to fail and still continue to play, um, not punishing you as much if you happen to slip up or one of the guards sees you. Um, that being said, are you going to, you know, be seen by all the guards and have to restart an area? Yeah, that's going to happen. Uh, it might happen. But uh, I found it happened less in this uh, in this game as opposed to the the first one, which was a little more punishing, but it was also like a game of smaller scope. Like, I think it was, you know, um, you could feel that the game was kind of, um, they were trying to do a lot and and it was kind of not quite getting there. But I think with this sequel, they've really tightened up that stealth gameplay uh, a lot more. And um, yeah, just there's a lot more tools for you to, to be able to work your way through um those areas and you know there's a whole mechanic of like upgrading your equipment and they also have like the skyrim approach to uh alongside you know collecting parts and tools to upgrade your your abilities you can also um upgrade your abilities just by progressing through the game and and using you know your sling and and your alchemy and stuff so um the more you know stuff you build the more stuff that you craft for your alchemy that'll increase your abilities as well so they they kind of have a dual approach to progression too when it comes to your abilities and you can kind of uh you can see that as you move through so if you're doing more stealth the more stealth you do the more stealth abilities perks you'll get um so that was i don't remember that from the first game i don't even think you remember i remember upgrades from the first game to be honest but it just feels like they've they've put a lot more in here to make it more of a a filled out experience and and to give the player more options as well. How so? Have you actually finished it yet, or do you still have more to go? I'm very close. I've uh, I think I'm like two thirds of the way through. So I've I've definitely gotten to the point where like the story is starting to really um, take place. Uh, essentially, what's what's happening is like your characters are trying to find a cure for Hugo. Of course, like, I guess there's like this order uh, of alchemists that are, and they were in the first game too. They were basically set up to deal with this, like this infection that Hugo has, this, this plague of rats that seems to be showing up every hundred years or so. 
Right. Weren't they the the ones that like came to his family home and murdered everyone at yeah. the very beginning, which is the why you're like on the run? Yeah, I think I think they were the enemies of the order. It was like the Inquisition and it was a very um it was like a separate entity that was kind of trying to end the whole issue before it started by by taking out your family. Um but in this one, the order is uh on your side but still like doing some questionable things so they're trying to figure out what's going on with hugo but like clearly you're realizing like oh like they're not helping they're making things worse um in the sense that they're stressing out uh hugo and he's causing all these rats to show up um <laughs> which is not great and and they don't realize that of Damn course it, Hugo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and they don't realize it until it's too late and then they're like oh maybe we shouldn't have have stressed him out well, this whole city's gone. Let's go to the next one. Um, <laughs> so, like, the game starts off as, like, you trying to get help from the Order. You're in this town. And, of course, things go awry. And there's this dream that Hugo's having about this island or this location that will, like, cure him. And essentially, like, that's the, the core part of the first part of the story is, like, Hugo saying, like, no, we need to go to this place to heal me. And no one's listening to him because he's a kid, right? But but his sister is, and and eventually that's how the story sort of continues from there. Is is they find a path to to find this island and um, to find a cure. And and the story is uh, like similar to the first one. It's it's very much there to. If it really felt like like the first one, they had this idea of like, well, what if you could you had this like swarm of rats type gameplay, you know, uh, and and we go from there. And I think that they they do that in the sequel, but they have more of a better and they have a a better story in place in the sense of we kind of know where we want to take the characters. The first one was just about like surviving this inquisition that was coming and trying to kill everybody. And this one, like you're actually trying to, you're trying to find a cure. You have a goal. In yeah. Mind. You have a goal. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it, it, it served the story better. It served the characters better. You're meeting other characters. It felt like almost everybody that you met in the first game was trying to kill you. So then it didn't really, like allow for a lot of character development necessarily. I do remember at one point, like being in a castle with like more than just me and my brother, but again, not memorable. <laughs> yeah. And I think they do. So I think like from the first one, you remember the sister, you remember the brother. And I think in the second yeah. one, they continue to build upon those characters while introducing other ones that will be enemies, that will be allies. And, um, you know, characters that will stick around that are memorable. And there are some characters that are literally there to, to hand you your weapon. And then, you know, they're off screen by the, by the time uh, you've learned how to use this new weapon. And um, yeah, I think the characters are, are better done in this one and, and uh, it helps the story move forward and, and progress. And it also helps to, you know, like it's, it, the world kind of reminds me of the walking dead where like everybody's evil no matter who they are, like everybody had like, oh, this island seems, this place seems nice. It's very cheerful. Oh, no, wait, there's something bad going on here. And I'm sure we'll find yeah, out. In the they're next act. eating people. Oh, they're secretly holding people hostage. Oh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a bit of that too. And it's a bit tropey in the sense of like, oh, we've discovered this, this nice place. I wonder what's going to be the problem here. And um, there, there is a bit of that throughout the game. Uh, there's, um, again, you're dealing with like a bunch of rats, like in the first one, there's some, there's some pretty gross stuff, uh, in terms of like having to, you know, deal with, with, uh, well, the bunch of rats that are 
that are going to infect uh, a city. But there's also like some really cool stuff. Like I don't remember this from the first one, but in this one they have like more, they have these like chase sequences where they've really upped the rat tech where like they, you'll see it in the trailers where there's like these swarms of rats, but it's kind of like a, like a wave, like a tsunami of rats that are moving through the city and you have to kind of run away from them. Uh, And there are these cool moments that happened, have happened a couple times in gameplay. And it's really neat as you're trying to escape and you're running away from this, this giant wave of, of rats that are like pouring in through the city. And um, I don't think like the first one didn't have those like action set pieces and they've really, they've really done this to kind of like split up the gameplay because there are like slower moments in the game, the stealth stuff, um, the, the story moments where you're like walking and talking slowly. There's, there's that stuff. And then, and then you do get the more fast paced action sequences um, where you're running away and and you're trying to navigate through uh, streets uh, filled with, with, you know, waves of rats. Um, But then there is the gameplay where you're, where you're puzzle solving your way through a room that's that's has rats all throughout it and then you have to use the lights and your different abilities to sort of progress through the room and um you know there's there's stuff where you can you can light fires you can you know make the fires bigger by throwing like tar on it to make the fires like more brighter to give you a bigger radius to 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 walk through uh where where the rats have sort of shied away from the light so there's some interesting stuff in there and again like i think they they really move past like the simplicity of the first one where it's like grab the torch and walk through this area. Oh, now you need to make sure that you're you're able to throw your fire stuff at a sequence of of uh, of fire pits and stuff like this one really makes it more complex and, and therefore I think more interesting gameplay uh, as you're making your way through them. And it's just they've uh, they've really taken that the concept of the first one and really ran with it. And again, it's it still feels like there's some weirdness to the controls but they've ironed out a lot of that but you still you feel it in the animations a little bit and 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 some of the some of the gameplay too like that stiffness that comes with with some games that you're playing that don't feel quite as polished but um you know i I really felt it with uh the same type of feel like from uh when we played the medium if you know what i'm talking about like okay yeah sort of weirdness when you're playing a game it's like it doesn't feel quite as snappy as you want it to and and you get that like a bit of tank controls with the characters um which can suck in a, in a stealth game but i i think that they they they've really uh sped up the gameplay here and, and made it a lot more um enjoyable especially since there are a lot of quiet moments a lot of stealth but uh yeah i've been enjoying it so far and i and like i said i think the biggest the biggest positive here is that the story has turned from just running away from a bunch of evil people to like having like, there's still a lot of evil people in the world uh, in this game, but you, you have more, you have a purpose. You're trying to save your brother. It's not always going according to plan, but like you have like a clear goal in mind to like solve this problem. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it sounds like they've kind of learned some lessons from the first game and, and flesh this one out a little bit more. So, uh, and it's on, it's on game pass too, right? Yeah, so it's Xbox Game Pass, uh, Xbox and PC. It is a next gen, or I should say, current gen uh, exclusive game. It's uh, it's it's going to require a pretty beefy computer to play, but if you have a Series S or X, you'll be able to play this one. Um, they kind of really target the current generation of 
mm. of of consoles and yes like gotham knights it's it's locked at 30 frames per second which if if that's a problem for folks uh you'll probably want to buy a new video card for it but i i've been playing it on series x it's it runs really well and i, and I think the gameplay uh works for that lower frame rate I mean, a lot of people have gotten used to 60 frames, but I think it works here because it is. A... I'm I'm one of those people that really can't tell the difference. <laughs> yeah, and that's and you know what? That's great because honestly, like I think I think it comes down to gameplay, you know. And when you have uh, really, you know, fast paced action, it can help to have like that higher frame rate. But for this game where you are, it it's all it's all about it's all about puzzling and it's figuring out the best approach to an encounter and and no encounter can be done just one way like you have a lot of options i think it works like it works you can you can go through the 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 encounters and and you have various different abilities to to deal with those encounters and you can do it stealth based you can set up um traps for uh and and lure guards to other areas and it, it just feels like you've got more or tools as you said like they've really looked at the first one and determined like what was holding this back and and really added some polish there and some additional gameplay so it works out really well that sounds interesting um so i i haven't really been playing too too much new stuff this week i'm still plugging away at god of war but i got really confused about the milestone so i didn't know what thread to to talk in so uh, I'm going to get back to uh, actually participating in Game Club, but uh, other than God of War, I've been playing quite a lot of Snap and Hearthstone. Um, Hearthstone in particular because, oh my god, Ryan, so many huge announcements. So, like, I've been playing a lot of Battlegrounds anyways, uh, as well as some Standard, but, like, they... There was so much news this week that, like, some of the things that we talked about would have been like total show episodes in and of themselves over on the angry chicken and uh and they were like a footnote in yesterday in yesterday's episode so i mean like the the big big thing is that they're adding death knights to the game um which is super huge it's the first new class uh in a couple of years so demon hunter came out a couple of years ago uh they learned a lot of lessons and now they're doing death knights and uh they look really freaking cool <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've seen I've seen some of it pop up on Twitter, but I've I'm not engaged much much in it. But it did seem like it was a huge drop. And don't I could have sworn like the Hearthstone team usually like drip feeds that stuff, and they're kind of still on the BlizzCon schedule because this would have been right around that time of BlizzCon, right? Yeah, this would have been around BlizzCon timing, which is kind of uh, when we get our announcements. Uh, even though there is no more BlizzCon, but um, they always release an expansion near the end of November, beginning of December. So this is coming out December sixth. But in the meantime, um, they did an expansion called Knights of the Frozen Throne about five years ago now, and that was when you might remember uh, all of the heroes got uh, it was the first expansion with hero cards. And that was like giving your hero new art, a new hero power, all that kind of stuff. So they basically turned all the classes into death Knights with those hero cards. Hmm. And uh, they've taken that whole entire Knights of the frozen throne expansion and put it back into standard uh, for a month. So like even the meta in standard is super crazy and you can't even like point back to the frozen throne meta from five years ago because the sets that are in are totally different. So 
uh, it's a pretty wild place to be right now in Hearthstone. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, so if you are interested in Hearthstone, go check out the Anchor Chicken because we did a whole rundown yesterday. We had a dev interview and then did a whole rundown of all the announcements. But oh my God, there's just so much stuff. Um, and there's a lot of things that are like in game right now that are really fun. The um, like I said, Battlegrounds had a whole bunch of updates. I played a bunch of Battlegrounds today, but mostly I've just been trying to catch up to the game club because um, I just I missed like I think I'm about three weeks behind you guys. Uh, which is approximately the length I wasn't playing anything because of COVID. And uh, I do think it's really cool, though, that there's like a milestone thread. So like, even though I'm behind, like way behind, people still pop back in and and I can comment on things without spoilers. And and yeah, it's a really good system. So I've been having a lot of fun in Game Club, even though I'm way behind. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Game Club's been really cool uh, to, to do. And I, I mean, we started... Our first game club was in April this year. So we've done, I think, three. This is our third one this year. And um, it'll be, I mean, we obviously haven't thought about what we're doing next uh, with Extra Life and everything going on. Um, we might take a bit of a break, or at least I might. But that's the beauty of it. Anyone can kind of, you know, take it on and and uh, and lead in terms of, um, you know, leading the, the game. This is the first one that you or I have led. So all the other ones have been led by by the community. So um yeah it's been it's been really cool to revisit god of war 2018 just in time for for ragnarok because we'll be wrapping up i think like we just we just had our our final milestone for the story and the reason we did it so quickly because it is a large game we just do three hour three and a half hour chunks each week but we decided to sort of have all optional content to the side outside of those three hours so you can do that content whenever you want you can leave it all to the very end. You can do it, you know, in line and we do list that content. But uh, yeah, we have one more milestone, which is just going to be talking about like post game type stuff. Uh, and the only reason I included it was because uh, we were one week away from Ragnarok. So I'm like, might as well fill it with something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just extend a little bit. And, and you know, we had that option there with, uh, you know, the the other realms you can explore that have optional content and, and kind of worked out. So it's it's still crazy to think that Ragnarok is finally going to be out in, uh, in in exactly a week. So it's crazy. Yeah. And you're going to have like all of the 2018 story really fresh in your head. So I think Ragnarok is going to be a lot of fun for people who've participated in the game club. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to all those discussions as well. Uh, wanted to say a thank you to our November patron, Soldier Hawk. Thank you so much for supporting the show over at patreon.com slash the gamers in. And of course, we have to mention that this Saturday, November 5th, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, is our Extra Life Game Day. You can go to bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2022 if you would like to support us. Even if you can't donate, just being there on the day or uh, helping us do a bit of a signal boost, it help. It all helps. All of it helps. It's so great to to see you guys and to get to hang out. Like it's so hard to stream, particularly for such a long time when there's just nobody in the chat room and kind of no <laughs> feedback and stuff. So you guys just hanging out is a huge help to help us get through the marathon. So again, that is Saturday, November fifth, starting at ten a.m. Eastern. We've got uh, a pretty stacked uh, set of games, lots of multiplayer stuff. It's going to be really fun. We have uh, a lot of people from the kind of like guest host TGI community that are going to be popping in and playing games with us. So I think it's going to be really fun, really entertaining. And uh, you guys should come and check it out. 
Again, if you'd like to donate, you can go to bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2022. Or you can also uh, just boost the stream. I'm going to be streaming on my channel. So twitch.tv slash Joss Plays. And uh, Ryan's going to be streaming over on his channel as well. Which yeah. I can't remember off the top of my head what it is. So Ryan, you should probably plug it here. Of course, it's twitch.tv slash RyanMurphyCA. But if you, uh, I mean, we'll be we'll be playing the same games for majority of the evening. You can um, swap back and forth if you want. I did set up like a, a multi-Twitch link, which is bit.ly slash watch TGI Extra Life, which is much longer. Or it's not as long as the multi-Twitch uh, link, but <laughs> I'll have all we'll have all this stuff tweeted and Facebooked Absolutely. and Discorded. So you just have to click the links on the day of. But those are the two big ones, bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2022 and bit.ly uh, slash watch TGI Extra Life. That'll give you all the streams, all the donation links, everything you need. And um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm I'm so stoked that we're starting with uh, Splatoon 3. I I ordered it directly from Nintendo. It took a week to get here, but I, I'm excited <laughs> to play it. So yeah, I think it's going to be really fun. I mean, I so I was playing Splatoon 3 and uh, I've just been getting my butt kicked because on the one hand, it's really good that the combat in multiplayer is almost exactly the same as in Splatoon 2. Like, it's very transferable. But uh, it feels like everybody else played Splatoon 2 for its entire release window. And I only played it for, you know, kind of six months or so and then fell off it a little bit. So it's been quite a few years since I've played Splatoon. Everyone was kicking my butt. And I was like, what buttons do what again? I throw paint here, okay? <laughs> like, I was so bad. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, sharing my badness with the world and also having a partner in crime. <laughs> that yeah. Can, uh, and yeah, so we're going to also have to figure out, I'm assuming we can queue together. Uh, we should yeah. probably figure that out before Saturday. <laughs> yes. Well, you know what? I have to boot up the game and get through what I'm sure is a Nintendo tutorial before I can play multiplayer. So uh, I also have to do that. But yeah, I'm pretty sure we can queue um, uh, and, pl you know, play with friends or queue with friends type thing. I Yeah. I feel pretty safe assuming that, but pretty uh, confident. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see. But anyways, the plan is to start with Splatoon 3. <laughs> uh, we're going to be doing some Overcooked 2. We're going to be playing some Ghostbusters. We've got Sea of Thieves. We've got Dead by Daylight. We've got lots of really, really fun titles uh, to play throughout the day with, uh, well, Ryan and I and then some some friends of TGI. So uh, do make sure that you're tuning in again Saturday, November 5th, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. That brings us to the news this week. And we we kind of got a lot of stuff. First couple stories are Witcher-related. First of all, Witcher is getting a remake, which is very exciting. Um, they have announced it. It sounds like it's way far away still. But um, I'm excited about this because I my Witcher, and this is going to come into play with our next story as well, um, my Witcher kind of knowledge is based almost entirely on the TV show. I started Witcher 3, but I could never really get into it. I kind of made it to the first town and just kind of went shrug um, because I hadn't played the first games. And so I didn't have like a, a tie to the universe. And it kind of starts off a little bit slowly and doesn't mm -hmm. really explain too much because it's the Witcher 3, right? Like... They expect you've played the first two, which I had not. So I think it probably would have been better if I started with the original game. And so much like a lot of other things, 
that are getting remakes, I'm very excited because this is one that I missed when it first when it came around the first time. So I think that it'll I'm assuming they'll do remakes of all of the Witcher games, in which case I can play the remakes <laughs> like now instead of trying to go back and play them. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited uh, that they're remaking Witcher. But, yeah, it sounds like it's pretty far off. Yeah, no, I, it, it it's very early in development. This is uh, we talked, I think maybe it was when Manny was on. We were talking about all the CD Projekt Red uh, games that were announced. There was like five of them. This is the Canis Majoris game or code name. Um, and it's being developed by Apollo Studio Fool's Theory. And this is a complete from the ground up remake in Unreal Engine 5. And that's a big deal because all of CD Projekt Red's future games are going to be on Unreal Engine 5. But also like the original Witcher is <laughs> it's quite old. Um, when they made that game, it was actually built on not their proprietary engine, but like an offshoot of Bioware's original engine that they used for, um, I believe, uh, Dragon Age, the first Dragon Age game. OK, um, so it's uh, <laughs> it's very old. And um, yeah, if you thought the combat was a little, you know, wonky in two and three, like the first one was the one that like really set the tables for for that wonky combat and it's uh i i don't remember playing much of the first one because even though i enjoyed dragon age origins uh the witcher uh, still felt like uh, a little cumbersome when you're when you're fighting so i'm excited for the remake it's been too long since i've actually played the first one uh even though i didn't finish it but um, apparently it came out in 2007 wow Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is literally 15 years ago. Yes. October 2007. Well, there you go. Well, I mean, I feel like that's a that's a good uh that's a good time to to look back and and remake this one. Obviously, you know, tech has come a long way and I think if you look at, you know, the popularity of The Witcher right now with the Netflix series and Yeah, you know, The Witcher yeah. is absolutely wild right now in terms of popularity. Like I mean, there's just the the Netflix show has done so much to to bring people into that universe, myself included. I mean, I bought The Witcher books to start reading over the summer when I was on vacation and like can't get enough of this world now and it's 100% because of the Netflix show. And I know that the Netflix show is not um, like necessarily page for page uh, from the books, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess we're going to talk about this Netflix story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I should probably say I was really enjoying it. <laughs> I mean, like uh, what's a you know, throw a Hemsworth in there. That's it'll be fine. Oh, uh, right? I, uh, I don't know. I mean, okay. So the big news this week has been that Henry Cavill is being replaced as Geralt on the Witcher in season four. So we still have season three. So, um, Cavill's still going to be in season three of the Witcher. That's already wrapped filming. Uh, but it doesn't come out until summer, 2023, but uh, after that, for season four, he will be replaced by Liam Hemsworth. So, I mean, the Hemsworths are handsome men. I'm sure he'll get the job done. But they're like Henry Cavill's Geralt is so iconic that I just I don't know how you make this decision if you're Netflix. I mean, like, so the original vision for the TV show was that it was supposed to be seven seasons. 
Cavill had signed on for all seven of those seasons. He was super stoked to do it. He, you know, everywhere, anyone who would listen, every interview he did, he talked about how much he loved playing Geralt, how much he, you know, enjoyed The Witcher, the books, the games, all of it. He he was all in on the on the universe. Um, and to the point that, like, there were some scenes that he rewrote <laughs> because, yeah. like, he he didn't think that the, like, gravitas of the situation was being properly, like, conveyed. Um, and he did a lot of work, too. Like, he's talked a lot about how he, like, tried to embody the character and put a lot of mannerisms and stuff into what he did to try to show that he had superhuman abilities like he would just randomly be like sniffing things and like listening hard and i'm just like man he knew Geralt, and i don't know if liam is going to i'm sure he's gonna be fine but the only thing that i know him from is uh hunger games and he was forgettable in that i can't even tell you a line that he said he just kind of stood there and was katniss's hot boyfriend that she left for the other guy that was nice like <laughs> i don't know it just when that's your best known role <laughs> maybe it's i don't know but what about best known brothers from such hits as thor and <laughs> well yeah but that's not liam <laughs> no i know i mean uh it's this is such a weird so like all the you know background uh stuff aside like it's such a weird shift because like i know that i was reading an article it's like okay you know are they is season four gonna be telling like like a like an earlier stage of of Geralt's life but then like people online are saying well liam hemsworth isn't that much younger than uh, yeah, Henry no, he's Cavill. only a few years younger than Cavill. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's hard to say where the story goes from here. Like, as you said, and I mean, they, like you can, you can make people look older or younger yes. with makeup. Like that's, it's all just special effects makeup. Right. So, yeah. but I think like Cavill just looked so much like the Geralt that we're used to seeing from the games. Right. Like when you saw him, he just was <laughs> the Witcher. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm. I'm also, like, spoiler alert, a huge Henry Cavill fan. I have been for years and years and years and years since, like, the Tudors way back in the day. <laughs> so, like, I, I just think he's wonderful, and I think he did a great job. And I know a lot of people are pointing to the fact that he gets to be Superman again in the DC universe as, you know, potentially being a reason and creating scheduling conflicts. And I'm just like, but, I mean, if you're Netflix... I feel like if you've got a scheduling conflict, you try to work around it to keep him, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. And then there's also rumors, which is kind of the um, direction that I kind of look at this from, which is that Henry Cavill, because the dude is a huge nerd. Like, he is a gamer. He, like, almost missed his Superman audition because he was raiding in WoW. Like, he is a nerd. And I love that about him. But... um he's a really big, big fan of the source material. And there are reports that the, at least some of the team, not necessarily the showrunner, she seemed to be, you know, super on board and, and a fan of the original material. But um, there's a, a, a couple of reports of the writers not liking the source material. And there's a lot of complaints from fans who say that, you know, they took interesting characters and interesting material and made it a little bit more generic fantasy, which they weren't fans of. Um, and then, yeah, um, 
Henry Cavill actually did an interview and I, I want to actually find the article because I don't want to misquote him, but um, he did an interview on a podcast that was like almost um, in a roundabout way confirming the like that it's creative differences, I guess, um, as opposed to scheduling conflicts. <laughs> so I'm um, just trying to find the quote. So feel free to give more thoughts while I skim this, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, like it's it's one of those things where uh, you're absolutely right. Like, you know, Henry Cavill is a huge nerd for, you know, The Witcher. And I think the only thing he would he would drop The Witcher for would be to star in a Warhammer series <laughs> or movie. <laughs> right. You know, and um, I, I fully believe we will get a Warhammer movie of some kind due to the fact that Henry Cavill is, is uh, so into that series. And and that'll happen. Uh, I'm saying it here, so clip it out. But, um, <laughs> you know, him, like, I feel like him returning to the role of Superman would be, I, I really liked him as Superman. I mean, I'll say this, like, I think Henry Cavill was probably the only thing I really liked about the DC Extended Universe stuff. Um, like the stuff that they're trying to do in emulating what they're, what Disney is doing with the MCU. Yeah. Uh, like there are some side projects that aren't in the DCU that, that are really, that have been interesting. Um, but the stuff that's within like that connected, uh, universe, it's like, really, it's just been Henry Cavill. That's been my favorite part. I know there are lots of fans out there that love the DCU. That's great. That's awesome. Black Adam is in theaters right now. Uh, the rock would like you to go see it. I haven't seen that yet, but um, I from it seems to be doing really well in terms of uh, reviews and people seem to like it. So definitely one that I'm going to go see. But uh, so I found the quote hmm. from the podcast. And so he was talking about um, how he invests in roles and how he knows when to walk away. And so he said, it's just about belief. If you believe you're do what you're doing is the right thing, then you're able to keep on doing it. If you realize you're doing the wrong thing, that's when you stop doing the wrong thing. You don't just keep going because that leads down a dark path. So to me, that combined with like reports of how much he loved the source material and, you know, like uh, the reports of like creative differences and, and writers not enjoying the source material, like all of this together leads me to think that um, it was probably creative differences that made him walk away. And that just makes me so sad because I think that like he was a great Geralt. I think that Netflix probably should have um, worked around his ideas and schedule because I, I feel like he had the Witcher's best interests at heart, <laughs> which, you know, like... I've seen a lot of people and it, like I don't have anything against Liam Hemsworth at all, but I feel like if... Henry Cavill was willing to walk away from The Witcher because he didn't like the way it was going, then the combination of a new actor in the role and potentially the story not being as compelling as it could or should have been, uh, I mean, I'll probably give it a chance, but I doubt that I'll stick with season four. I'm excited for season three because I do want another Henry Cavill season. But uh, yeah, after that for season four, I'm probably not going to carry on watching uh and i've seen that sentiment a lot of, i've seen a lot of people saying boycott boycott and i'm like well no like i'll give him a chance like liam hasn't done anything wrong this is clearly a, a you know breaking off between netflix and henry cavill and liam was tapped to to come in after the fact like he didn't bully henry cavill out <laughs> of the role or anything like that so no. you know I'll, I'll give him a chance i just um i don't have very high hopes and and that sucks so 
Um, yeah, no offense, Liam, but we want Henry back. <laughs> well, I, I think that uh, I agree. I think I've only watched the first season of The Witcher, but I really enjoyed uh, Henry Cavill's uh, Geralt and it, it, it made the show. And I think like it will be interesting to see them you know, moving from Henry Cavill playing Geralt to Liam Hemsworth playing Geralt and see how they handle that. I don't think they're going to do anything. I think they're just going to be, this is the new Geralt and they're not going to skip a beat. Like, I don't think there's going to be any in-universe explanation for no. a change. And no, they're just going to say, hi, Geralt. He's going to be like, hi, that is me. You and they're going to move on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I meant more from the standpoint of like Netflix First of all, us talking about a Netflix show having not three but four seasons, uh, you know, sort of on on paper, it's kind of wild. Like they're renewing it at that speed, and I just I worry that with this reaction, and because uh, the internet is is obviously not happy. I think collectively they they haven't been. Oh happy yeah. Well, and the thing is, too, like um, if they did just straight up cancel it after season three, because season four hasn't started filming yet. It's like season three has finished filming. So if they do just cancel it, it's not going to get any sort of like wrapping up like any any sort of conclusion or, you know, it's just going to end basically halfway through. And that's all we're ever going to get. So, I mean... Depending on the story in season three, we'll have to see how it goes and if it's compelling enough to make me watch season four. Um, and that's on the writers, which I'm on the fence about at this point, whether they can do that. But yeah, we'll just we'll just kind of have to see. But I, I'm glad that they're at least trying to continue the story in case season three is really good. Um, because I wouldn't want them to kind of like end on a cliffhanger or something and then just be like, and it's also canceled. <laughs> yeah. It's just Netflix doesn't really, they don't really deal with their content. They don't deal well with their content being disliked by them. Yeah, by that's the, that's a fair statement. You I know, think. and I re I remember, you know, we talked about the Resident Evil series. Like it was critically not received very well. It didn't do amazing numbers on the service. It had like weak buzz, and it was just if it doesn't get renewed in the first month or so then a season two is basically going to be, it's going to be quietly confirmed that it's canceled, right? Like a few months yeah. later. So I just, I think Netflix struggles with sticking with a project. Um, and I wonder if uh, I th we'll get a season four with Liam Hemsworth. The real question will be, will we get a season five, six, and seven like they originally yeah. planned? Yeah. So. Yeah. Which I, I would if I were a betting woman, I would be putting money on the fourth season will be the final season. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, for better or for worse, I, I think that they'll probably look at the reaction to Hemsworth and then uh, write a season that has an, an a proper end, you know, like that they could maybe pick up again after for seasons five, six and seven. But I think they're going to err on the side of what if we get canceled <laughs> when they're writing season four, which a lot of shows do. I mean, like I remember um, Buffy, they were talking about how um, they basically wrote uh, three seasons. So season three, season five and season seven were all written as if they were like the season or the series finale of Buffy, as opposed to like a season finale with a cliffhanger or whatever. Like, 
they would write those seasons as if they were just not going to get renewed again. Um, and I mean, they're all, they, they had more seasons after those, right? Well, not seven, seven was the end of the, the Buffy show, but um, yeah, like season four exists, season six exists. So it's possible to, to pick a story up after writing a, a finale sort of a thing, but uh, yeah, we'll have to see what happens. I'm still very sad. I wish that he had stayed, but who knows? Well, we'll see. I, I don't know. <laughs> like I, I don't know how to even move on from this story because I'm just oh I was so attached. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's no easy way to do it, but uh, Henry Cavill will be fine and he'll be appearing in a Warhammer movie very soon. Oh yeah, he has a lot of projects lined up, so I'm I know I'm going to see many many more projects with Cavill in it, and I'm I'm cool with that. So I guess I'll just have to cling to that. But The Witcher was so good. But anyways, Game Pass, Game Pass is making money. <laughs> There you go. Uh, Microsoft did confirm that Game Pass is making the money. It is profitable, even though they have seen uh, some slowdown in subscriptions, which I think that makes sense. Like at some point, you saturated the market, right? Yeah. I mean, there there are uh, only a, a certain segment of the market that's going to subscribe to a service to get to get your games. And I think a lot of companies are seeing this uh, across the board, like and and this goes back to the conversation of um, what what do the shareholders want to see? They want to see growth because obviously growth equals more money. But like when what Phil Spencer is saying here is like, OK, Xbox Game Pass is profitable, even though the numbers are the growth is slowing. Like you don't need to keep that growth up. Obviously, I think uh, part of the story is that, you know, there were bonuses for Spencer that were tied to growth. Um I mean, he doesn't seem that broken up about it. <laughs> I was going to say like, oh, boo hoo. You don't have more millions. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> like, seems fine with that. He's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's fine with it, but he hides it really well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, it's nice to see that it is profitable because there are a lot of these conversations around Xbox Game Pass. And like, is it harming uh, developers, small and large, to to have their their game on a service that is kind of devaluing it in the sense of like, well, I, I can just subscribe to this. And I mean, you, we have this conversation all the time of like, well, I'll just get it free on Game Pass. And it's like, well, it's not free. It's part of the subscription you already pay for. So it's yeah. like, it's at no additional cost. Uh, but it it is good to see, like, I know this is just the the publisher behind the service saying it's profitable. It would still be interesting to hear. It, like You hear more from developers that are saying that it is good for, you know, um, getting more numbers in their games, like seeing more more people, more eyes on their games and stuff because it's part of Game Pass. Oh, so. yeah, there are tons and tons of titles that I've played because very specifically because it's on Game Pass that I never would have looked at if I had to pay even 15 or 20 bucks on Steam, right? Like it just it gives that visibility because I'm checking all the time to see like what's new on Game Pass because I get to pay it for my subscription price, right? That I'm already paying. So um, I think it's it's great for discoverability for for um, game creators, game devs. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's good that it's still profitable for Xbox because it means it's going to keep going. And uh, I'm not necessarily too worried about subscription growth slowing and and the you know service potentially getting canceled or anything. But uh, especially when you think of it in terms of PlayStation's uh, PlayStation Plus. They just announced in their earnings call that their subscribers are down almost 2 million. Now, that's since the relaunch of PlayStation Plus. So that's uh, the tiered system that they implemented. 
Uh, and you should, we should also say that, you know, losing 2 million sounds like a lot and it is a lot, but they went from 47 million to 45 million. So there's still a lot of people existing in that PlayStation Plus um, ecosystem. Uh, but yeah, it is, it, they definitely lost people as opposed to um, at least slowing growth. Like <laughs> slow growth is still growth <laughs> versus negative growth or loss. <laughs> yeah. And and like because as you said they introduced the tiered system, um, you might have people jumping out, but you also have people upping their subscription. Like, um, and it's very easy. Yeah, to that's do that. true too. Yeah, yeah. So it, like again, I think as more subscriptions become available, you you have consumers that are going to selectively pick. Like, okay, I'll do Game Pass this month, and oh, I there's something on PlayStation Plus, I'll subscribe there. Then maybe down the road, I'll. I'll do a prorated upgrade to one of the higher tiers. Like there are just so many options for consumers that you are going to see a fluctuation of subscribers to your service. And I think, I think video game companies seem to understand that even though they are, you know, quite young. Like I think in Nintendo being the youngest of, of all the, uh, the internet exists, uh, type of companies, um, they, I think have been really good at sort of acknowledging that, subscriptions do have like a like a cap in terms of how many people are actually going to uh give more money to to play n64 games um <laughs> you know and that person is 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 me and and <laughs> i was gonna say and that one person is yeah. ryan murphy from yeah. canada yeah for some reason you know uh wave race just you know makes the 60 dollars an extra a year possible um but i think like you know you you look at we had the conversation of netflix and the witcher and and how netflix has really struggled with you know growth being a problem and the way they address it is by you know yeah locking in on people who are sharing their accounts um adding advertising like you know kind of doing the anti-consumer moves yeah. to try to like address you know a lack of growth and yeah to try to to still make money even though they're losing subscribers yeah and i think that what you know microsoft and sony and and even nintendo have tried to do is like ask for more money but provide more more service they do have more options as video game companies to to offer varying you know uh types of content and I think Netflix is trying to do that as well with their gaming options and stuff like that. But it's really interesting to see these stories of like, say, yeah, we lost 2 million subscribers, but we're also still profitable thanks to X, Y, and Z. You know, I think that's a healthy way to look at it uh, because you're not going to have, you're not just going to keep growing and growing in numbers. And I think WoW even did this with their subscriber numbers. They stopped reporting them because it's like, yeah, it's not a, me- it keeps going down, but it's also not a metric at which we, you know, we need to, the public to know whether we're successful or not. We just need to know whether we can make Sylvanas a cool character again, really. They could uh, not. No, they couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and so like, it, that's really interesting. The, just the conversation around subscriber numbers, because it's the kind of thing that like when a company stops reporting its subscriber numbers, then it's like, then, you know, it's bad because like, wow, went from like our subscribers, we hit 10 million, blah, blah, blah. This is amazing to like, they're probably under a million now. And so of course they don't want people to know that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, for the most part, when companies uh, like publicly traded companies, like will will obviously be asked for the numbers and then they'll have to report on those numbers. But like Netflix doesn't 
do doesn't share numbers unless it's like super awesome right yeah uh, and exa- then, and well that exactly no, nobody really does <laughs> no and and even their metrics are kind of weird it's you know sometimes the way they explain how a show is successful it's like so many minutes watched in the first couple hours of each wednesday and it's like well okay yeah that's a high number but i don't know how it helps me determine if you know the newest season of uh the witcher is good you know it's it's all it's all numbers and it's like it doesn't matter what matters is the content and Mm -hmm. like both these articles like we know the value of the content that's being put on game pass because we talk about it pretty much every week all the time yeah (laughs) you know and i think where playstation is struggling is on the content side like they are getting more games on their service but they're also games that are you know already on game pass or or have just left game pass so i think where you're going to start to see maybe numbers start to increase is when playstation starts to get around to adding more of their first party titles like uh, Mm -hmm. i think the last one they added the newest one was returnal which was released last april april of 2021 so when we start to see more of their first party titles launching from uh, maybe I guess Horizon would probably be uh, one of the next ones or Ratchet and Clank uh, would probably be the next one. So to see how the timing works for those releases, it will be really interesting and to see whether that coincides with an increase in subscribers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is that uh, PlayStation is launching the VR2 in February. So that's our, our other piece of uh, PlayStation news tonight at uh, $550. <laughs> so uh, probably a little bit more expensive for us here up in Canada. And I'm not going to get it because it makes me throw up. But Ryan, are you interested at all in a 650 potentially in Canada um, piece of hardware to play VR? Uh, no. And you Specifically know what? Specifically in the PlayStation universe, I should also say. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, and, and this is interesting because if you look at the cost of a Meta Quest 2, it's uh, in Canada, 529.99, uh, so 530 bucks. What you're looking at for the PlayStation VR 2 is a $650 purchase. I don't think we got Canadian pricing, but it is legit the same price as the PS5. So 550 bucks for the PS5 uh, disc version. Same cost to get this headset that requires the PlayStation 5. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas like currently in terms of virtual reality, if you're looking at breaking into uh, like an entry level of VR, you're looking at the Quest 2, which is standalone. So for 530 bucks Canadian, you could be playing games, no PC required, just the headset. Um of course, you can then expand upon that, hook it up to your PC. So it, what it would be really interesting to see with the VR2 is if they made it backwards compatible with the PC um, and allowed you to basically connect it to the PC and use it that way to kind of give it more value. Because I think that is, there's a couple of issues. The issue is price. The issue is that it's attached. It's a first party peripheral um, that we that is very expensive and we have not seen we have not seen that i think in in video games outside of maybe the first playstation vr uh maybe the connect as well but those were lower priced like usually peripherals have to be a lower price value in order for people to buy in (laughs) and the charging station comes separately (laughs) right which is and those are for the controllers right yeah they're they're new controllers um 
there's there's a lot uh, of weirdness here and i i saw some you know conversation on twitter about like the video games that are that are going to be launching with it uh which includes um the new horizon game the horizon one yeah uh and there is a bundle i guess the bundle adds like 50 bucks um to to basically get this horizon game so again like you are seeing maybe some discounted games because they are they are made for vr they're smaller experiences um but you know some folks were saying like there needs to be more than horizon's the big title there's a couple other games that they they released here as well uh including i think one of them was uh was a game in the dark pictures anthology there's going to be a vr spinoff oh god i will <laughs> i could not do that <laughs> i mean like the the nausea aside, I there is no way I want to do a V. You guys saw what I did to my controller last extra life. There is no <laughs> way, no way that I want to be more immersed. <laughs> that is like a death sentence for me. I would legit have a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, um, Supermassive Games had made a, another. They did an Until Dawn VR uh, spinoff that was on the original PlayStation VR. Um, so that it's, it's actually, it's kind of cool to see them return for the launch of the VR two. I mean, there like, there are going to be folks that buy this. And I think it's those folks that are like, they have a PlayStation, they don't have, um, a quest to they're, they're, they're interested in VR, but they want to keep within the console, you know, experience. I think like what would have gone a long way to making this price point, um, more digestible is if you could, hook it up to your PC and play Steam VR games with it. Um, you know, do that work to support the PC. And and again, that's not something that that can't be done down the road. They could they could patch it in, maybe, you know, apply their two year wait mentality for having a game come to the PC. Maybe in two years we get that work done for it to be uh, compatible with PC. Like it's not impossible, but um, it would go a long way to basically saying like, you know, buy another PlayStation five, two years after launch, and then you can play VR games. Um, there are exclusives that will come with a, with a console exclusive peripheral, but are they going to be enough for you to not invest in the, like the existing platforms of like the quest two that is compatible with your steam library? Well, I was going to say, yeah, the, the more flexible platforms, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And even then, like, I think in terms of the experiences, like you are going to get a higher fidelity uh, from your video games on the PS VR 2 because it is all the calculations are being done on the PS5. Nothing's done on the headset. So there are there are bonuses to that. But I think it's just it's it's so expensive. Uh, (laughs) That's a lot of money for a peripheral. So, yeah. Well, we'll have to see what the what the kind of uptake is. And I think that having titles like Horizon is definitely a selling point. But uh, I don't I don't know if it's enough. It's just it's so it's so expensive. So we'll have to see how it goes. Uh, we will let you guys know after the launch what the sales are like, assuming Sony's going to tell us that. But uh, until then, we're done. We're done for the day, but we will see you on Saturday. Again, that is going to be our Extra Life stream starting at 10 a.m. Eastern. You can head to bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2022 in order to support the team. There's a lot of people over there with a lot of goals. And uh, yeah, we'd like to hit them all this year. We've had a few pretty good years of extra life because of you guys, because you've been so amazing. So uh, keep it up. We will see you on Saturday. 
Until then, if you'd like to join the conversation, head on over to bit.ly slash TGI Discord, or you can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at Joss Plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Screw that. Tune in Saturday. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> See you Saturday. <laughs> <laughs>